Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, my name is Grant. With me I've got uh, Captain out of Houston, Paul Richardson. He's going to be talking about a grab they made on November 7th, 2018. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing good, Grant. Thanks for having me on, brother. Yeah, for sure. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization? Yeah, sure. Um, Paul Richardson, I'm a captain here in the Houston Fire Department. I've uh, been on the job for 17 years with the city. I've uh, been a captain for the last eight of those, coming on eight of those. Um, you know, fourth largest fire department in the country, busy fire department, always worked at busy houses. So it's um, kind of where it, where it started. What do you guys get on, or how many firehouses you guys got in Houston? Uh, when you not talking uh like airport stations, I think there's around 91, 92 in that area. So uh, and then we have three air three or four airport stations that cover both our major airports. So, and then what are you guys getting on a first alarm for a residential structure? They recently changed it. Uh, at the time of this one, we were getting four engines, two trucks. Um, for an apartment fire, I think we're still getting that actually, but they just changed our single families to three one one uh and then they upgrade that um when we get a working fire and then you get a working fire how's uh how do you guys do your assignments is it pre-arrival incident command driven combination of both or it's going to be incident command driven we do i mean it's pretty well known most chiefs how they operate so it is kind of pre-arrival like i know if i'm running with my chief i'm going to you know, where I'm at on the, the box is going to tell me what I'm doing, but uh, each chief is going to be different. Some chiefs are going to want, you know, a truck to do this versus, you know, go to the roof versus search or vice versa. You know, so, And then talk to us about like the priorities of your crews. Like is first do going to be stretching? Who's going to be doing your searches? Kind of how that rolls. Yeah. So we uh, first do, we're always going in fat, uh, tank water. Uh, unless it's, you know, something that we're going to say, hey, we're going to need to drop five inch for it. Uh, so we're typically operate on tank water on the first engine. Uh, second ends will come in and start filling it out. And uh, first truck, you know, where I work uh, in now and when I when we made this fire, first trucks typically go to the roof uh, and vent. And then second truck will come in and search. Uh, my crew has done a really good job for we've kind of push that as we're making it we're searching off the line and and, and doing those things and we kind of team up with that second truck a lot what's your staffing like on your rigs um minimum of four or four is what we got every now and again you'll get a five-man truck um but we have four-man staffing four engines and four on the truck cool what about your search culture what's it like in houston and I think it's getting better. Um, you know, like I say, 17 years, a lot of stuff has changed. The truck used to be kind of looked at as like just kind of a day off for guys uh, because the way our dispatching works, the engine always goes out first uh, on all the medicals and all that stuff. So a lot of guys just saw it kind of as a, as a day off, really. And uh, I feel like it's starting to change. Uh, I feel like we're getting We've always been an aggressive department, but I feel like we're starting to hit and really dive into to searching. I see, I hear trucks talking about, you know, VES and stuff and targeted search and the stats and numbers driven behind it, which I would say five years ago, you never heard anything about that. You know, it's, 
you pull up, you just go search and no, there was no real thing or talking about it. Nice. How do you guys, how is search taught within your department? It's 99% of our training and this is, you know, kind of uh, probably a downfall, but 99% of our training is going to be officer driven. Uh, they're, you know, we'll get brought in the classes maybe once or twice a year through the department, uh, going down to the, the academy or whatnot, but 99% is going to be station officer driven or cruise driven driving on the training. Uh, gotcha. So it's really officer that, that thing. Cool. All right. Why don't you take us to November 7th, 2018. Let's talk about that run. Yeah. So uh, we were, I was on engine 25 at the time. I was captain on engine 25, which is um, just, it's kind of sandwiched in between University of Houston and Texas Southern University uh, and Third Ward, which is a, you know, lower income neighborhood, um, single house, engine and ambulance only. We were, it was like seven o'clock in the morning. I get a phone call from the mechanic and he wants to take us to the engine to the shop to do some uh, PMs on it. So uh, I remember the guys were finishing up washing the apparatus and I walked out there and got on the radio and put the engine out of service to go around, uh, go downtown to the shop. And uh, right as I said, as soon as I get it out of service, uh, a box comes in, um, but we weren't on it because we were out of service, but the ambulance was on it. Uh, and the way our ambulances go, the ambulances will, they only send one ambulance on the run. So they always going to send the closest one. Uh, so I knew we were first due. I just didn't know where it was. Uh, so, you know, just told my chauffeur, Mike, I was like, hey, Mike, just follow the ambulance. I'll try to get us put on the record and, you know, see what we can do. And we take a ride out of the station. I'm, we're getting put on the box. And um, about the time I'm getting put on back in service and on the box, I can see smoke crossing the street. Uh, it's probably... I don't know, 10 or 12 blocks from us, uh, maximum. And there's smoke crossing the street, and the ambulance goes on location with uh, smoke showing. And we pulled up right behind them. Uh, we had a small two-story flat roof apartment complex, uh, garden style. And we had heavy smoke coming out of the first floor in unit. Um, I'm still trying to get dressed at the time. You know, I'm still trying to get my gloves and everything on. And one of the guys on the ambulance came up to me and said, hey, Captain, there's someone in, inside. Uh, he tried to go in without gear and he said, I couldn't get him. So he comes bailing out, um, you know, and probably my downfall at that time uh, is I, I didn't really relay that information over the radio. I just kind of was like, all right, well, I'm going to go get my job done. Uh, one of the guys was still getting dressed and the other guy uh, started to stretch. These are very small apartments, probably, uh, I mean, very small two bedroom apartments. Um, like I say, bottom floor. So, while they're stretching the line, I went ahead and uh, I figured I was going to go in and search a couple foot uh, while the line's coming. So I go in. I was going to be on the right-hand wall. I'm thinking kind of kitchen fire. Victim's probably going to be close to the front door. Uh, my tick wasn't working. We used to run an older tick, and it was not working. So I go in on the right-hand wall, uh, went down about six or seven foot, low visibility, not really hot, just no visibility. Uh, make a, a left-hand turn at a corner and uh, figuring I'm going to see either the fire or the victim at this time, and I can't get either one. Uh, I don't have either one, but I hear the line coming behind me. 
So kind of make a U-turn, go back out, meet uh, the guy with the nozzle with the knob at the door, uh, a guy named Rob Block. And we had went to the I'd went to the right the first time. So I told Rob, I said, hey, we're going to go to the left and we're going to try to find them. Uh, usually in these apartments, you'll find a hallway. You know, you'll have one hallway is going to branch off into both the rooms. But I couldn't find the hallway uh, the first time we went in. So we go into the left, uh, go in, and it's a real kind of not I wouldn't say hoarder style, but very cluttered. Uh, there was a mattress on the front room, a um, couple like tote boxes. I didn't know what they were at the time, but it's kind of cluttered up. We go into the left, uh, start making our way into the living room, and it's kind of getting a little warmer. Still not hot, I think. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't that bad in there at that time. Crawled. I remember crawling over the bed, and as I got to the other side of the bed, I, Rob was bringing the line on behind me. He was on the left hand of me, and uh, you know, I'm searching out. I'm hooking the line with my leg, with my foot, searching out, especially as we went over the bed. And I'm going a couple foot and searching out, and we get into the kitchen. And I told Rob, I said, "Hey, I'm going to search the kitchen and uh, kind of hang out." And I go in to search the kitchen. As soon as I go in to search the kitchen, uh, Rob does a sweep out with his hands and he grabs a, he hits a foot, calls out to me and uh, kind of make a U-turn back to him. And there she was laying kind of underneath a table in the dining room. Um, so we were able to get her from there and start working her back. What did you guys, uh, so she was on the ground face down, face up. Do you remember? Uh, it's hard. Uh, she was actually on her back. I know. I know she was on her back. Now, um, she, she was laying on her back, kind of wedged underneath this. Uh, it wasn't like a large dining room table, but it was a uh, probably like a four seater dining room table, and she was wedged underneath it in a chair. So we kind of the only issue we had getting her, and thankfully she wasn't very big, is uh, we had kind of unwedge her from the chair. Uh, so we kind of pulled her out from underneath the table, and. Um, I knew we weren't very big, very far in there because of the how small the apartments were. And I could also hear ladder uh, 46 coming in behind us, which they were real close to us as well. Um, so I knew they were coming in as well. I could hear them. So I actually just grabbed, her, grabbed the upper part of her. He grabbed the lower part, and we kind of just pushed her down the line. Um, the only part where he got really hung up was on that little mattress or bed that was laying on the floor. Uh, once we got her over that, we were pretty well out pretty quick. Did you guys take her all the way out or did you pass her off? No, we went all the way out, um, passed her at the doorway, um, at the threshold of the door. I handed her over to a uh, medic crew that was actually just kind of happened to be humping slack inside or right at the threshold. And they just got, we just kind of handed her off to them. Uh, and that was kind of one of my things I went back on when I was talking to the chief. He didn't even know we had pulled a victim out. Um after it was all said and done, he kind of came up to me. He's like, hey, did you pull a victim out? Yeah, yeah, we did. Sorry, we probably should have told you that. So, um, Was was she slippery at all or pretty easy to grab? Uh, I had her, I grabbed her by her shirt and she and her bra and kind of just grabbed whatever I could grab and was pulling. Uh, he, he had said here her legs were real slippery trying to grab her. So he kind of had a hard time pushing her down the line because his hands were slipping. Uh, but I, from what I had grabbed, and she was pretty small, it was pretty easy grab for me. And then um, 
that crew coming in behind you guys, did they end up taking the line or did you guys follow back in the line once you got her out? Yeah. So we, we passed her over and uh, ladder 46 had come in. They actually went to the right, the way I'd went initially. And um, they found a doorway. Uh, they opened that door and it was I, probably the only apartment, <clears throat> excuse me, the only apartment I've been into that's like that. It had the doorway that led into the hallway uh, and the two back bedrooms were burning um in that in there right there so we had actually turned around rob and i turned around made a u-turn and started following the line back out and uh or back in and by the time we got to the nozzle fire was starting to kind of roll down the hallway and it was a straight shot for us and and went and put it out nice anything else off of this one that we missed no i mean i think the biggest things for me was uh communication i was you know, I was a pretty new officer at the time. I think I had two years as an officer. Uh, like I said, we went in. I didn't tell. It wasn't really communicating with my guys. Like, hey, we're going to go in. We're searching for a victim. Um, I was just kind of like, I, at my point, I was almost still thinking, well, I'm going to go find a fire, and the truck crew is going to come behind me and get the victim. Um, but, it, you know, the more and more I, I learn about this is that engine crews are stumbling across victims on the way to fires all the time. Uh, so I should have communicated that with my crew, like, hey, we're going in, reports the victim. Let's let's search, do a little more uh, diligent searching on our way in. And then once we made the grab, I never said anything on the radio, uh, never relayed that information over. Just kind of uh, almost dumb luck, you know, it's what it seemed. She was unkissed when we uh, got her out. She was they gave her um, sign the Sino kit. And she was talking at the hospital. And then the last update we had had gotten from the hospital was like two weeks later. She was in the burn unit, but was fully expected or expected to make a full recovery. So. Very nice. Uh, do you know the time? Um, it sounded like this happened all pretty quick, but do you know time from arrival to victim out by chance? Uh, well, the dispatch to arrival was around four minutes. Um, four, four minutes. And then from our arrival to the victim out, um, and, you know, guessing cause nothing was timestamped because I didn't say it on the radio. Um, I, it would have been three to four minutes as well. It was pretty quick. Nice. Well, cool. Anything else you want to add to this one? Pretty, uh, pretty clear cut down and dirty. I love it. Uh, first new engine finding, finding a victim upon the way, you know, we look at, um, numbers from firefighter rescue survey, and uh, U.S. Fire Administration, the one I like, uh, U.S. Fire Administration says victims are between the fire and the front door 36% of the time. So if we just communicate that to our guys when we when we go in, and I think you mentioned that, like, hey, there's a good chance from the door to the fire we're going to run across the victim, at least having a plan. Right. So it sounded like um, right. you executed well with that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of one thing I stress to our guys now is like, hey, we're going to be we're searching as we're going. As, you know, we're pushing, uh, you know, Houston Fire Department has always been aggressive. We're, we've been known for being aggressive forever. So we're going to make those hard pushes. But we need to remember that, you know, hey, we're searching out as we're going. Our job is the engine crew. Uh, we're the first in the door, but we're going to be searching as we're going through, you know. And then even if we find a victim, we got to remember we can pass those guys out to the truck behind us. Oh, very good. Well, I appreciate you sharing the story. 
Um, if anyone out there is listening, you guys get a grab, assist, or otherwise, uh, we want you to go to Firefighter Rescue Survey. Take that survey. Uh, that information is for us and by us. If you want to share your story on the Grabs podcast, you can reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe at gmail.com, or send me a text, 239-898-0843, uh, and it's pretty quick. We try to keep these coming out about every two weeks. So uh, until next time, stay aggressive. <laughs>